You're listening to the sounds of Lighthouse Reflections, and it's Bobby coming to you this afternoon with a little bit of wisdom, but not from me, from my mentor, from Jim Rohn, inspired by Bernie Goldbach, Bernie EdTech, hashtag learn, or Bernie learn, hashtag EdTech, whatever it is, I'm not sure which. Conversation between him and Larry G. McGuire over the Daily Larb discussing books, the importance of books. The track in the background is Legacy. And the reason that's important is because Jim Rohn talked about how your library will become a legacy. A legacy for you to leave behind when you're not here on this planet any longer. And your journals, he said, will make up a big part of your library, a big part of your legacy. I'm going to share a little bit of classic Jim Rohn with you. It's a little bit dated, obviously, because, you know, the time period where I experienced Jim Rohn, we were still talking about cassettes. For any of the younger ones here that are on the platform, that's the way we used to actually listen to things, was on cassettes, not DVDs or not streaming. <laughs> Hopefully that's just a little bit of dry humor for you and you got it. And if not, well, maybe your parents had cassettes, I'm not sure. Alright, uh, <laughs> let me share a little bit of classic Jim Rohn with you. Well, before I do that real quick, let me just read to you. Books are really important to me. And I had my first experience with Jim Rohn on February 21st, 1991 seminar that my mom sent me to where I got a copy of Jim Rohn's book, The Five Major Pieces to the Life Puzzle. It's a hardback copy. It's signed by Jim and it's numbered. It's number 251 of 2,500 and it's probably one of my most prized possessions. This book changed my life along with a few other books that Jim Rohn recommended to me. Like the Richest Man in Babylon by George S. Clayson and Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill and How to Read a Book by Mortimer J. Adler and some other books by Mortimer Adler as well and a bunch of others. They came to me that day in February. Well, it was, like I said, I gave you the date already. It was February 21st, 1991. I started to say that faded day in February when my life changed. Let me give you a little bit of gem about reading and then I'll share some of the books that I have here in my home with you after in the next segment. Did you know that hundreds of successful people have written their stories in books and told how they did it on cassettes like this and people don't want to listen? How would you explain that? The guy's busy, I guess. He says, well, yeah, if you worked where I work, by the time you struggle home, it's late. You've got to have a bite to eat, watch a little TV, and get to bed. You can't stay up half the night and read, read, read. And this is the guy that's behind on his bills. He's a good worker, hard worker, sincere. But remember, you can be sincere and work hard all your life and wind up broke, confused, and embarrassed. You've got to be better than a good worker. You've got to be a good reader, a good listener. At least he could hear a good cassette on the way home, right? Now, you don't have to read or listen to educational cassettes half the night. Although, if you're broke, it's a good place to start. 
But here is all I ask, just 30 minutes a day. That's all. Stretch it to an hour if you can, but at least 30 minutes. Half rich isn't bad. 30 minutes. Hear or read something challenging, something instructional, at least 30 minutes a day. And here's the next key. Every day. Don't miss. Miss a meal, but not your 30 minutes. Hey, you can get along without some meals, but you can't get along without some ideas, examples, and inspiration. There's a Bible phrase that says, humans cannot live on bread alone or food alone. It says the next most important thing to bread is words. Words nourish the mind. Words nourish the soul. Humans have to have food and words to be healthy and prosperous. Make sure you have a good diet of words every day. And that was Jim Rohn, classic Jim Rohn. Next, Jim will talk about why we need to get kids reading. Get kids involved in the least of disciplines. One more, and then one more, and then another one, and then another one, and then some more. And the first thing you know, you're starting to weave the tapestry of a disciplined life into which you can pour more wisdom and more attitude and more strong feeling, more faith and more courage. Now you've got something, a vessel in which to put it. And now the equities start to flow. And the early return, I'm telling you if you'll start this process, the early return will have you so excited, you'll commit yourself to this strategy for the rest of your life. You'll never go back to the old ways. Join a new crowd. Join a new group. The disciplines to do it. Take action. I recommended the last time I was here the little book, Richest Man in Babylon, and I said, I've lectured now to over three million people in the last 33 years, and I've recommended this little book to almost all of them, I think. Guess how many have actually gone and got this little book? Answer, very few. My best guess is 10%. Such an easy thing to do. In that last seminar, right, I suggested this little book, number one, is easy to find. Number two, it's easy to buy. The most you can pay for it, six, seven, eight dollars. You can borrow that from your kids. <laughs> and number three, it's easy to read. It's in story form. That's why I use it for teenagers, teaching them how to be rich by 40, 35, if you're extra bright, much sooner if you find a unique opportunity. But if it's easy to find and easy to buy, and if it's easy to read, why wouldn't everybody go get it? We don't know. What do you know? You don't know. I don't know. Nobody knows. Here's how profound it is. Some do and some don't. Now here's the numbers. About 10% do. 90% don't or won't. We don't know the mystery of that. And I'm telling you, 10 years from now, those numbers will still be the same. 10% will, 90% won't. The numbers don't change. Only the faces change. You're looking at one of the faces. I used to belong to the 90% who couldn't be bothered even if it was easy. Guess how many people have a library card? Wisdom of the world available. Transform your life in any value amount you want. By the way, how much is a library card in Texas? Free. Here's what free is. Easy. I mean, it can't be any easier than free. Somebody says, well, would you bring it by? Well, no. At least you got to go get it. No. Wisdom of the world available. Transform your life spiritually, socially, personally, economically, and every other way. 
teach you how to be rich and powerful and sophisticated and healthy and influential. How many people have a library card? Answer, 3%. 95, 97% couldn't be bothered. Guy specializes in happy hour, but he doesn't have a card. <laughs> and now readily and quickly blames the government and blames his company and blames policy and blames the pay scale. When if he only knew, if he joined the 3%, here's my advice to you today. Walk away from the 97%. Don't talk like they talk. Don't act like they act. Don't go where they go. Don't specialize in what they specialize in. Throw away the blame list they cling to. Start you a new life. You say, well, is it as simple as getting a library card and join the 3%? And the answer is, of course, of course. That's how easy this stuff is. This is so easy. It's so simple. It's not complex. You don't need a 2,000-year-old guru. You don't need multi-track affirmations. I'm telling you, don't. Affirmation without discipline is the beginning of delusion. Don't let somebody sweep you into some contrary way to nature itself, says, unless you labor the miracle of the seed and the soil and the seasons and God and all the other stuff that's available, sunshine and rain, that's not available to you by affirmation. It is only available to you by labor. So labor well. Okay. Learn well. Discipline yourself well. Next up will be lessons from my teacher, Mr. Jim Rohn, on the importance of reading, on the importance of building a good library, why we should have a good library, and some book suggestions, including Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, recommended to him by his teacher, Earl Schof. I think you guys will find this next piece fascinating. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Think and Grow Rich. Shelf said to me, doesn't that book entitled intrigue you? Think and Grow Rich. Don't you have to read that book? Think and Grow Rich. I said, yes, sir. By Napoleon Hill. I went and found that book in a used bookstore. That's where I had to start. In a used bookstore, I paid less than 50 cents for it. I've still got it. It's one of the rare hardback covers. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Wow, Schof was right. Get a library started. It'll change your life. Any home over $200,000 has got a library. Why do you suppose that is? Wouldn't that make you curious? How come every home over $200,000 has got a library? Does that tell you something? Does that educate you at all? You say, well, I can't afford a $200,000 home. It doesn't matter what size home. Take your present apartment, clean out a closet, call it your library, and start acting intelligent. <laughs> and start this process like I did. Start developing a library. Here's what your library needs to show, that you're a serious student of health and life, spirituality, culture, uniqueness, sophistication, economics, prosperity, productivity, sales, management, skills, values of all kind. Let your library show you're a serious student. Don't be casual in learning. Don't be lazy in learning. 
Information is the key. Okay. Learning is the beginning of wealth. Learning is the beginning of health. Learning is the beginning of prosperity. Learning is the beginning of democracy, the beginning of freedom. All values, all virtues start with the learning process. So don't be lazy in learning. Don't be lazy in gathering the library that will teach you and instruct you. And I got that book, Think and Grow Rich. Some of the ideas in that book inspired me no end, helped me to change my life. Now, it's got some weird stuff in it. You know, it's got some weird stuff. Napoleon was weird, so you got to separate out a little of this weird stuff. But you can do that. You can separate out the weird stuff, okay? Unless you're weird, just do the weird stuff. Anyway. Remember, don't be a follower. Be a student. That's the key to all books. Don't be a follower. Be a student. Okay. Another book he recommended. Help Me Become Financially Independent. We're going to cover that before we finish this afternoon. The book was entitled, The Richest Man in Babylon. The Richest Man in Babylon. By George Clayson, C-L-A-S-O-N. This little book, The Richest Man in Babylon, I use it as a textbook teaching teenagers how to be rich by 40, living in America, 35 if you're extra bright, much sooner if you find a unique opportunity. I got rich by the time I was 31, didn't wait till 35. If you find a unique opportunity. So we'll get into that after we come back from our next break. Richest Man in Babylon, get your library started. Here's some key sections to put in your library called mental food. In fact, we call it food for thought. It's so important to nourish the mind, not just the body, but nourish the mind. Key phrase. Now it needs to be well balanced. You can't live on mental candy. Somebody says, well, I just read this positive stuff. That's too second grade. You've got to get out of second grade. You can't just be inspired. You've got to be taught. You can't just be inspired. You've got to be educated. Key. Here's a good book. It's called How to Read a Book. Good title. How to Read a Book by Mortimer Adler. In this book, How to Read a Book, Mortimer, you know, is the, is the chief editor of the new Encyclopedia Britannica. A good set of books, right, to have in your library. Encyclopedia Britannica, chief editor, Mortimer Adler, he's, still in, he's in his 80s, he's still active, still writing books, I've got several of his books, The Six Great Ideas, a lot of books, Mortimer Adler, but he wrote this book, How to Read a Book. Now in this book, How to Read a Book, not only does he give, now in this book, How to Read a Book, not only does he give you some good suggestions on how to get the most out of a book, it's one thing to read it, it's another thing to get the best out of it, he'll give you some techniques on how to get the best out of a book, it's very good. But here's what's also in his book, How to Read a Book, a list of what he calls the best writings ever written. The best writings ever written. I've used it as a centerpiece for my library. So I'm just asking you, take a look. If it suits you, fine. If it doesn't suit you, hey, keep looking until you find something to suit you. But well-balanced. Let me give you some of that balance. Number one, history. We've all got to have a sense of history. American history, national history, international history, family history, political history, 
We all need a sense of history. Shortest history lesson. Opportunity mixed with difficulty. No matter how far back you go, a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, three thousand, four thousand years ago, I'm telling you, it all reads the same. Once you understand the thread that it isn't going to change, then what's going to change for my life? Answer, looks like I'm going to have to change. History helps us to understand how it is, what there is to work with, seed, soil, sunshine, rain, and what human beings have done with it in the past. And how many of them have, like I did by age 25, they have messed up. That's what history's for. Be a good student of history. Here's a good book, Lessons of History by Durant. Lessons of History by Durant. This little book is only 100 pages, but I'm telling you, it's so well written, you'll be intrigued, as I was. This little book, Lessons of History by Durant. Next is philosophy. Durant also wrote a good book on philosophy. The story of philosophy. It's got a good rundown of the key philosophers of the last several hundred years, what they taught and some of the lives they lived. You might find it a little difficult, but hey, you can't just read the easy stuff. Key phrase to add here in parentheses, don't just read the easy stuff. You won't grow. You won't change. You won't develop. Tackle the more difficult stuff. Next, novels. Novels are good. Sometimes an intriguing story keeps our attention so that the author can weave in the philosophy he or she is trying to get across. Anne Rand was probably better at that than anybody else I could possibly think of. Atlas shrugged some of those towering novels. The novel kept us intrigued, but guess what she was doing all the time? Feeding us her philosophy, feeding us her philosophy. Now, whether you agreed with her philosophy or not, you had to admit she was really good at getting it out there, weaving it through the story, in the dialogue and in the speeches and in the text. Fabulous. Novels. Novels are good. Now, here's a little personal advice. Skip the trash. Someone says, well, sometimes you can find something valuable in a trashy novel. I wouldn't go through it to find it. You can find a crust of bread in a garbage can, but I wouldn't go through it. <laughs> Number one, you don't need the reputation. So not enough time to read the brilliant stuff, the good stuff. Skip the trash, really. My personal advice on personal development, becoming more valuable than you are. Next is biographies and autobiographies, the story of stories of successful people, unsuccessful people. There's some dramatic stuff, right? Over the last hundred years, it's been written biographies and autobiographies. Here's one of the best, the Bible. The Bible is a unique book because it's got a list of human stories on one side of the ledger, another list of human stories on the other side of the ledger. One's called examples, and the other's called warnings. And here's what we've got to have on biographies and autobiographies, both warnings and examples. In the Bible, the examples, the Bible says, look at these people's lives, follow them, follow their philosophy, follow their advice. Then we got the warnings, right? Don't do what these people did. They messed up their life and threw their life away. Vitally important, both sides of the scenario. Now, if your life story ever gets in one of those books, make sure they use it as an example, not a warning.
balance, both sides, balance, good and evil, biographies, autobiographies. You need a book on Gandhi, you need a book on Hitler. One to illustrate how high a human being can go, and the other one to illustrate what? How low and despicable a human being can become. We need both sides of the scenario. Next, accounting. Got to have a little, at least, primary view of accounting. Kids have got to start learning the difference between a debit and a credit. Next is law. We all need, right, a little bit. You don't have to be a lawyer, but you got to know contracts, what to sign, what not to sign, backups, good advice, how to be safe rather than sorry. All of us need a little law, not a lawyer, but a little law, especially these complicated days. Everything's in court these days. I learned this the hard way. company wanted to borrow money a long time ago up in Canada company wanted to borrow some money the bank said well yes we will loan the company the money if Mr. Roan will sign personally and I wanted to play hero and I knew the company could pay it back quarter of a million dollars so I signed no problem sure enough within less than a year they paid it all back quarter of a million dollars I am now a hero. Well, about a year later, this company gets in financial trouble. They go back to the bank and borrow this quarter of a million dollars again. I said, I hope my phone doesn't ring because I won't sign the note this time. Because I knew they were in trouble. I knew they were probably going to go bankrupt. My phone never rang. I'm off the hook. Sure enough, within less than a year, the company goes bankrupt, can't pay. But I get this letter from the bank saying, Dear Mr. Rome, since the company cannot perform its obligation and pay this quarter of a million dollars, and since we have here your personal guarantee, would you please send us your check for a quarter of a million dollars? I said, hey, hold it, hold it. There must be some mistake here. I signed that first note, and they paid it all back. I wouldn't have signed the second note. I didn't sign the second note. Well, what I didn't know I had originally signed was a continuing guarantee. So, now I know what the word continuing means. <laughs> I'm asking you to study a little law, know what to sign, know how to defend yourself, right? Say, hey, we'll get back. Don't sign too quickly. I mean, there's all kinds of things here. Be a student. Don't be lazy in learning. How to defend as well as nourish. How to grow as well as take care of your enemies. You've got to learn. Let your library indicate that you're a serious student about personal relationships with your family, gifts and skills, economics, and all the rest. Here's the next one. Economics. We're going to study that when we come back from our break. Economics. We're going to cover, especially for the kids today, how to become financially independent. We're going to let the adults listen. 
I've been teaching kids for the last 18, 19 years how to be rich by 40, 35 if you're extra bright. Most kids think they're extra bright, they go for 35. Or much sooner if you find a unique opportunity. We're going to get into that. Be a student of economics. Next, culture, sophistication. Don't leave that out of your life. Culture, sophistication. Culture is part of the fabric of the nation. Culture is what makes us different than dogs and animals. Culture is what makes us different from the barbarians. Culture, sophistication. Be a student of the dance and the art and the music and all the rest of those extraordinary human values that are possible for us all to participate in as well as to enjoy. Be a student of culture. And the last one is spirituality. Study it from the Bible and all the related books about spirituality. If you're a believer, study and practice. Wow. Wow. Was that an education in learning in reading and being a student of life? That might tell you just a little bit more about me as a human being if you took the time to listen through those segments from Mr. Roan, my teacher, my mentor. This book that I have here that's my prized possession that I got from Mr. Roan way back then, 1991, seems like a long time ago. I guess it actually kind of is a long time ago, isn't it, guys? Almost 27 years ago. Isn't that fascinating to think about that? Almost 27 years. Copy number 251 of 2500. Limited edition certification. The five major pieces to the life puzzle. Copyright 1991. This book, and this man, and the thing that he wrote in the front of this book to me that day, way back when I was in college, says, Bobby, I, I, I can almost remember, I just remember this man standing in front of me in his, just this incredible graceful nature. He was epic on stage, but in person, it was even more. And maybe it's because he had come down off the stage to do the book signing. I don't know. But he seemed larger than life to me the entire time that I was there, scribbling notes as fast as I could. Oh, man, I was a copious note taker, let me tell you. I wrote, I filled up an entire book that day of information. Each and every one of the books that he recommended in that seminar were the same books that he recommended the day that I was at the seminar. And guess what I did? Yep, you guessed it. I went out and I got those books. And I started with this book. This book started it all for me. By taking action that day that I was there, and I don't remember what this book cost, I think it was, and this was a long time ago, but it wasn't cheap, it's a hardback book. And it's a limited edition copy. It might have been, it might even been $40. I don't know what, whatever it was, it was a hell of a lot of money. It was, a chunk. But I thought to myself, I've got to have some way to capture the essence of this moment so that it'll last forever. And I have the book. In the front of the book, Mr. Rohn wrote, Bobby, for the best of life and treasure. And then he signed it, Jim Rohn. This book means everything to me. 
because it started my journey. It started my path. It opened up doors that I didn't even know existed. I had no clue. I had just met my biological mother. And one of the very first things that she did was to send me to this seminar. Can you imagine not knowing your own mother your whole life, all of a sudden meeting this woman who seems larger than life to you because all your life she seemed larger than life to you, but you finally get to meet her, both her and your sister? And one of the first things she does is sends you to a seminar where you can go and learn about what's possible for you. You think that there's not some energy around all of this for me? You think that there's not a reason why I do what I do, why I show up the way that I do, why I'm so passionate about all of this stuff, why it means so much to me, why I know that inspiration is what's possible about changing people's lives. I went on to finish college, but not just to finish college, I graduated with honors. First in community college, and then, in and then at the university, I was inducted into the Sigma Theta Tau International Honor Society of Nurses, and then I was recruited right out of an office into pharmaceuticals. And I've never looked back. And I've continued, I've continued to grow. This has been a 27-plus year journey for me. I've been studying personal development now for 27 years. And it started with this man right here, Jim Rohn. I'm telling you guys, anything is possible. Everything is possible. All you have to do is decide what you want and be willing to pay the price. Put in the time and the effort and the energy and it's available to you every day. Well, there you have it. You know, I just, uh, I just put up three songs about how life is a journey. Well, not just life, success is a journey as well. There are no shortcuts. There are no easy paths. But at the same time, if you listen to Mr. Roan, you'll realize it's not as hard as some people make it out either. Is it possible that maybe the real answer is somewhere in between the hustle and the grind and steady application, steady daily application? Mr. Rohn talked about how reading 30 minutes a day could change your life. Does that sound hard? I mean, really, does that sound hard? You know, Gary Vee's a great guy. And I appreciate everything that he says, everything that he's done, and everything he has to offer. And his level of success is something that I'm not even interested in. Okay? It's just not for me. But if you're a young guy coming up, and it's something that inspires you, what I admire, what I admire about Gary Vee is the work ethic that he's trying to instill in the younger crowd. That's what I admire about him. You know, and then when you hear him say, if you want bling bling, if you want the thing, if you want the jet, if you want that, then this is what you got to, that's cool too. If that's what inspires you. For me, the money was never the big driver. There were a lot of other things that were really important to me. Now that I'm getting a little bit older, the money is important to me, but not for the same reason that's important to so many other people. Because I understand that money is just a tool. And there's some really big things that I want to do in the world, and it's going to take money to do those things. My BHAG, my 
big, hairy, audacious goal for 2018 is to end fear itself. My business partner and I, Steve Bivens, the author of The End of Fear Itself, will be launching Fearless University this year in 2018, and our goal is to be able to create a site, a place where people can come and tap into information like what Marissa Peer offers in the other segment that I shared earlier, to tap into the learnings of people like Jim Rohn and anyone else who's created content that can change a person's life the same way that Mr. Rohn's content changed my life. Steve Bivens, my business partner, wrote this book, The End of Fear Itself, How to Crush Your Limitations, Manifest Success, Achieve Health, Happiness, and Save the World. He's also the author of Be a Hobbit, Save the Earth, a monumental masterpiece of a book that's my God, this thing is 500 and... I'm about to tell you the exact number of pages. 545 pages. Steve will tell you the book's way too big. He said if he had to do it over again, he probably would have made three or four books out of this. A Guide to Sustainable Shire Living. What a cool topic that is, right? My bigger mission in life, though, is what's captured in this book, The End of Fear Itself, where Steve asks, are you pursuing dreams? Is there something that you're not doing? Um, is there something that you're not doing right now, as a matter of fact, that you really want to do, that you feel you should do, or that you could do, or that you need to do to achieve success in some way, in some area of your life? This book, The End of Fear Itself, is literally a manifesto for overcoming fear. You guys have heard me talk a lot about the artist's manifesto. We will be writing a manifesto as well. And the manifesto will be about ending fear. And it begins with that Marissa Peer video that I shared earlier. Because the greatest fear affecting humanity is the fear of, I am not enough. I am not good enough. I am not smart enough. I am not pretty enough. I am not... Just plug in whatever word you want, whatever phrase you want. That's the biggest disease affecting humanity. Lack of self-belief. Lack of self-worth. Lack of self-understanding. And it's my goal this year, 2018, to change all that. To bring an end to fear itself. And it's coming. Mark my words, it's coming. Sooner than later.